Hey everyone, it's your host, Tim Bearden here at Shadow Self the Podcast, and I want to welcome you to the second episode of our second season, Parenting in the 21st Century. Last week we talked about our children's mental wellness, and so to expand on that, I want to talk to you this week about parenting and technology. I think we're overparenting and overprotecting our kids because we have access to too much information without a lot of discernment. Watching the news this week, for example, I saw a story about an airplane engine falling apart 13,000 feet midair, and when the story had finished, my first thought was, <laughs> and that's why I don't fly, and that's why I'm terrified of flying. It was also in that moment that I realized how ridiculous that sounded. The odds of this happening are extremely low, so that reminded me just how the news triggers our fears, even if it's unintentional. The input, in this case the news, we are receiving our brain perceives as a threat and responds to it. That's one of the functions of the brain and the nervous system. Anticipate and respond to threats. It's a survival technique, and it got me thinking about parenting in the 21st century. We see so much news and have so much more information readily available than we ever have. And in turn, this causes us to worry more about our children, because all the danger in the world is being shown more often than in decades past. And while dangers and crime and everything may have gotten slightly worse, it hasn't gotten that much worse. Or at least not as bad as we're making it out to be in our minds. This is leading us to sh not only shelter our kids, but overprotect them, rather than just protecting them. It's because of this perceived threat. Now, rest assured, our fears are not only natural, but they can be justified. However, the questions remain. Have we overreacted? Are we sheltering our kids rather than protecting them? Well, to answer those questions, we have to look at the major leaps in technology from the end of the 20th century to the second decade in the 21st century. How has that technology gradually affected our parenting and our reaction to the perceived threats over time? Now, when I say perceived threats, I'm not trying to dismiss your fears or the real dangers in the world. What I am saying, however, is we are overly worried about it happening to our children. And that's probably to make up for our early adulthood when we thought we were invincible, right? Many of us get hit with that Mack truck later in life that jolts us out of our immortality phase, parenthood. It isn't until we have children that we realize just how vulnerable we actually are. Now, it doesn't have to be your biological children for you to feel this. It's just a moment in life when you care more about the survival of the species than you do about feeding your brain's pleasure centers. Coincidentally, for many of us, that happens to be parenthood. Now, we realize we're mortal, and then protection mode kicks into overdrive, especially for newbies. I hear you gently weeping in your sleep-deprived state. Stay strong. Anyway. Which is natural if you think about it as an evolutionary process. You want the younger generation to survive to carry on the species. It is because of our nature, as with any animal, is survival. And it is because of that nature we see more threats to our present survival than there actually are. What we're doing is confusing immediate survival with species survival because of the messages we are receiving through our media. It's no secret that we are only becoming more exposed to worldly dangers. We are allowing that to cause us to lose sight of our present safety. Simply put, we aren't being present. Now, it's natural to change the way we behave over time in order to survive, but it's possible it's gone too far. We're staring at the forest from a 50,000-foot view, but we aren't paying attention to our village inside of it. You all remember the D.A.R.E. program? Have you seen the memes? I was not offered free drugs as often as D.A.R.E. led me to believe. And that disappointed kid sitting in the background on the stoop with his head between his legs. 
And now, while the meme makes that out to be a bad thing, it actually portrays the point that we can overreact to threats and perceive them as greater than they actually are. As someone who is a type 6 on the Enneagram, we jump to worst case scenarios easily, so this isn't that difficult for me to believe. We tend to overstate the threat because we perceived it greater than it actually was. And the more we became exposed to broader threats through news outlets, like the war on drugs, for example, the more we shut down the ways we interacted in society. When I was a journalist, the old saying went, if it bleeds, it leads. Why? Because it sold more papers by creating an emotional response. We see a threat, our brain responses with defense strategies, which we now know to be rooted in the Enneagram. And we react to that threat by finding a way to survive it, even if that means altering the way our children are allowed to develop. But I think that might be doing a disservice to our children and the species by continuing to lessen their independence because of having more information. There is a fine line between having enough information to be safe and too much information causing a spiraling effect of overprotection. While we want to keep our children safe, we also need to remember there is a higher power who designed everything. We are not in full control, whether we want to be or not. And that's the hardest thing for anyone, me included, to wrap their heads around. While you can control certain things, Overall, safety is out of your hands. We want to take back control, so over time, we have restricted how far we allow our children to wander from our sites. We have gone so far as to create special schools that look down on parents who are not actively engaged with their children's success and future 24-7, which puts pressure on both parents, especially mothers. Why have we become so future-obsessed? What threats are out there that we think are so bad our children won't be able to handle it if we equip them well? What we struggle with is trust. We don't trust our kids out by themselves. We don't trust the world with our kids. We don't trust our kids out in the world without a protective bubble at all times. But most of all, we don't trust ourselves. We have no idea what we're doing as parents, so we freak out. And the more information we have, the more we freak out. We are anxious parents. And while there is plenty to be anxious about, we can't keep our children safe 24 hours a day the way we want to. We have to find a way to be less anxious, and the Enneagram can help. My parents used to tell stories of walking to the store and buying things as young as eight or nine years old on their own. Not like the full grocery shopping, mind you, but it wasn't uncommon for kids not to be home for pretty much the whole day. And if you had siblings and they could walk and talk and kind of think, then they went with you. That generation was introduced to television, which was once referred to as the modern babysitter. But that babysitter has increased our awareness of the dangers in society, nearly to the point of debilitation. If we walk through the evolution of television, it's really not hard to see how we got here. But that's not to say that television is solely to blame for everything. Let me explain. By admonishing the media, we are shifting blame off of ourselves and neglecting taking responsibility for our choices. We have to recognize there are two sides to every story and not one entity is solely responsible for where we are right now as a society. Think of technology like a relationship. We can either have a healthy relationship with technology, or we can have an unhealthy relationship with it. Judging from the lashing out over the last several years of the media, I'm going to take a wild guess and say we're just a bit unhealthy. As television and other technology continued to evolve, there was a pattern emerging. We were becoming more and more aware of the world around us. If you think of it in stages of development, we were in the awe of infancy. 
Looking at everything in wonderment, we wanted to go further than we have, stretching our boundaries and testing our limits. We went from three basic stations when the television first debuted in the early 20th century to nationwide cable just after the mid-century mark. In less than 50 years, our reach had extended and homes just started receiving televisions at that time. It was because television had shifted to the medium of choice that rural areas, think I wouldn't want to be alone here in a scary movie type of rural, needed to develop cable just to get a local broadcast station. And if we can do something, we generally overdo it. I certainly do. So over the next 30 years, our information becomes more readily available. And in the 1980s, we've coined the phrase helicopter parent. I'm sure you've all heard it. It's a parent who's overly fussy about their kid and basically holds their hand through the dangers of life, doing most of life for them in the process. Ironically, many helicopter parents needed to be both in the workforce, so they had latchkey kids. These kids are the kids who spent the evenings at home after school with the modern babysitter and possibly other siblings or teenage relatives waiting for their chopper to arrive for dinner. So these latchkey kids are now watching, conservatively, one to two hours of unsupervised television, and their model of parenting involves being in every facet of a kid's life. Mind you, television, at this point, has now expanded to national cable news in about a decade. That's going to become a 24-hour news cycle with more and more families with two working parents. And the more information we have about what's going on in the world, and like I said, in journalism, if it bleeds, it leads, then we're going to have a lot more children who grow up to be anxious parents. Think about how much death and destruction and other horrific events, oftentimes these are even traumatizing to adults that are on the news. News station advertise like anything else with their own teasers. Horrific firefight at Southwest National Bank in Redville, New Mexico. Three injured, two dead. Film at 11. And it was like a glory thing. Who could get the most carnage or the best lead to get the news at 10 o'clock? I mean, that's what it was taking. Back then, there was no DVR to record shows either, so we just watched them. You had a VCR that had a clock that was always blinking 12 a.m., but in order to program that VCR to record anything in advance, you had to learn how to set the clock. That was a running gag through the 90s, showing just how little patience people had for that kind of technology at the time. So we routinely made technology easier, and by doing so, we expanded our reach in the process. By the late 90s, the internet had started taking off in earnest. Now it's off to the races as far as information goes. We are in the digital age. It's limitless. It has its benefits, but the downside to the internet, even then, was you had no idea what was true and what wasn't. But we were really cynical and untrusting of technology, having watched 2001 A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, Terminators 1 and 2, and the list just goes on and on of sci-fi movies where technology overruns and takes us over. I'm hoping you're feeling the irony dripping the same way I am. Because while it doesn't look the way we thought it would, technology has taken us over. We have become overly dependent on it. Case in point, Tom Haverford from T Parks and Rec. In one episode, he is reading tweets from a car accident that he was in and tweeting about while he was in it. The judge, naturally, orders Tom to give up all technology. All of it. He basically has a nervous breakdown about it, showing just how much we have come to rely on technology as a society. It is because we rely on it so much that we take the internet more seriously, and we take its information more gospel-like than we probably should. We knew it back then. 
that this was a breeding ground for liars, thieves, and other sorts of questionable characters, we assumed it had made leaps and bounds of growth and change. That's kind of true. But we are still seeing it today in all the misinformation and frankly biased national news stations, like MSNBC and Fox. They blatantly push out slanted information with agendas behind it, rather than what happened less than a century ago when you got the news and figured it out for yourself and what to make of it. We had a more thoughtful debate back then. Oddly enough, kids had more independence. Now, this isn't a judgment. It sounds like it may be, but it's not because I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of cynical points of view and being scared about the way things are and things that are beyond my control. Hell, as a six, that's my whole goal in life, to be safe and secure, not scared. So I plan and plan and plan to the point that even the worst case scenario that has a million to never shot of happening, I make a contingency plan for. And before I found the Enneagram in my own spirituality, which I rooted in Christianity, I was a basket case. I was always waiting for the next shoe to drop. My motto was, if I wasn't at least 10 steps ahead of you, then I was already behind. I also lived and died by Murphy's Law. If something can go wrong, it will, and at the worst possible moment, rather than the truth. Which is, you can't plan for everything, right? Murphy's Law may happen more often than not, but our reaction to it makes it either a positive or negative experience, barring traumatic incidents, of course. Some things are just plain negative, but for the majority of us, this isn't necessarily the case. We have the opportunity to more easily shift our perspective. Being a six, this kind of news is especially difficult for me to reconcile with. I don't even want to allow my kid to be unchaperoned ever, so what do you do? We can't change how technology evolves any more than we can control it. We have to step in and change the way we interact with it, just like any relationship. It can be as unhealthy as it wants, but that doesn't mean it has to take us down in the mud too. By understanding your number and how it reacts to stress, you can better combat unhealthy behaviors such as overparenting. Now, I'm not saying let the kid have free reign to unleash hellfire upon his enemies in battle or anything, but what I am saying is we need to loosen our grip on the leash just a little bit more again. Let them be kids. Do you have any idea of the dangers there are out there right now? I hear you cry. And I do. As a matter of fact, though, they are in greater danger of being exposed to negative behaviors, unsavory characters, and risk the bodily harm at home. And not because of their parents, but because that's what technology offers too. We aren't making our kids safer and protecting them. We think we are. But what we're doing is sheltering them from the outside world and expecting them to interact with it in a healthy manner digitally. I think that's kind of a raw deal, don't you? It's almost like we're setting our kids up to fail, by accident, of course. So how do we course correct? I didn't really like the answer I came up with, but we'll see what you guys think. Now, it's not that it's not a good solution, it's just, well, you'll see. Reconcile your fear of the unknown with understanding the odds of the bad thing actually happening. That's it. That's all. It's really that simple, and I hate it because of it. We are making parenting out to be more complicated than it should be. We read books, websites, and listen to podcasts like these, and webinars, and all of that just to learn how to be a parent, when that's really not what we need. Sure, we do need these things to help us learn how to be a parent. We need the knowledge of others. But what we ultimately need, in addition to all of this, is to learn how to be our own true self, the one we were designed to be. It's only then we can guide the next generation into a healthier tomorrow. We need people to point this out to us. Well, I certainly did. 
But once we have the knowledge, what do we do with it? And that was the question posed to me by my pastor when I was talking to him about the podcast topic. He's one of the best I've seen at splitting secular and religious views so everyone can see the bigger picture. In other words, people in his congregation are able to listen to the message rather than worrying about who the messenger is. It's meant for everyone. And I'll give you the same answer I did him. For me as a type six and as a Christian and spiritual, I pray about it and give my worries to God, my higher power. It's out of my control. What I can do is I can lead and teach and guide him the best I can. But at the end of the day, my son needs to take the steps to learn how to be a person outside of me. If I weren't a person of faith, how do I reconcile this though? This issue of a perception of increased danger, and, but research showing that crime really hasn't gotten much worse. Well, first what I would do is figure out my Enneagram number and my stress triggers to help mitigate my reaction to those things. Because since the Enneagram is a motivation-based program, you can mitigate how you react knowing what motivates your behaviors and your reactions. But ultimately, what I need to do is decrease my information intake from national to local to even hyper-local, depending on my flavor of parenting anxiety. By focusing on the factors you can control, you can more easily reconcile away the ones you can't because now you've armed yourself with knowledge. If you already know your Enneagram number, then you're ahead of the curve. And since it is a motivation-based personality model rather than behavior-based, the more you know about yourself and how you react, the easier it will be to change those reactions. Your motivations influence personality, which can influence behavior, but behavior should never dictate who you are. Dig into your number and see what you can do to level up your parenting. If you need help or don't know your number, well, we have a webinar coming up on March 20th during National Parenting Awareness Month. I'll be going into detail of parenting using the Enneagram, which each number looks like as a parent, and I will conduct a brief group coaching session where I will take the Enneagram test with you and we'll learn and discuss our results. That way we can figure out our most likely numbers. The seats though are limited to 15, so you need to reserve yours now because it's only $24.99. It shoots up to $44.99 the week of the event, so don't dally and head to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com backslash your shadow mind, and register for this live webinar. Well, thanks everyone. I hope this has given you some good information. You have been listening to Shadow Self, the podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bearden, and thanks for listening.